Blog Talk Radio. We're so excited for our next guest. It's James. (laughs) No. James Twyman, known internationally as the Peace Troubadour, and is a renowned New York Times best selling author of 15 books, including Emissary of Light, The Moses Code, and The Barn Dance. He's also a filmmaker and musician who has a reputation for traveling to some of the world's greatest areas of conflict, sharing the message of peace, and has presently been invited to perform the peace concert in Syria, Egypt, and Jerusalem. And this is midst of dramatic struggle for peace, and it's kind of dangerous, but he's willing to do this. And uh, he's leading a group of interface religious leaders to the troubled areas to pray peace prayers from various spiritual traditions. And we'll be talking about this and much more. You're listening to the Taz and Paula Show, and I'm Paula. And I'm Taz. James Twyman is certainly the peace troubadour, exercising life to its fullest from the early 90s onward. He even developed peace prayers for the 12 major religions to music, and then he began traveling the world. Well, James has also uh, produced seven music CDs and is the producer-director of five films, including the award-winning Indigo and the Camino of St. Francis, and now he has expanded his missions even further by launching a movement under the banner of the Senior Cinema Circle to place one million-plus signatures on the desk of Hollywood film decision-makers asking for uplifting films that will enhance the lives of seniors and baby boomers that encompasses love, joy, spirit, laughter, and even romance, too. Well, I'm one of those baby boomers, so (laughs) I'm right in there. (laughs) We certainly are fortunate to have someone like you spotlighting the needs of others, so... Welcome to our show, James. We're excited Thank to you, have you so much. It's great to be here. Well, this this newest film adventure that you've done, the Senior Cinema Circle, um, I saw a little clip of it on your uh, website, and it really looks marvelous. And mm. It sounds like you had a lot of fun making it, too. Well, a lot of fun and a lot of work, as any film is. <laughs> you know, I remember <laughs> before we made Redwood Highway, uh, my last film, which was maybe four years ago now, I, I thought I was out of the business forever. I had made a documentary called uh, The Moses Code, and I swore that I would never make another movie because it's just so much work and so much risk. And I'm, you know, first of all, a musician and then a book writer, and when I'm writing a song or I'm writing a book, it's just me and my guitar or me and my computer. But when you're making a movie, there's so many people and so much money involved that, you know, it, it definitely is a very it's a very different experience. And after the Moses Code, I actually wrote a letter to myself telling me why I should never make a movie again. <laughs> and I, I gave that letter to several friends, and I said, if, if I ever try to make a movie or if I come up with some great idea for a movie, please give me this letter so I can talk myself out of it. And I actually, uh, when I had the idea for uh, Redwood Highway, I called those friends up and I, I said, do you remember that letter? Well, please tear it up because I don't want to see it. Because <laughs> oh. I didn't want to be dissuaded. And I'm, I'm so glad I did. Even though this is the biggest risk I've ever taken in my life, uh, I think it's a powerful one and an important one because I truly believe that this generation of seniors and boomers, that we deserve better movies. And Redwood Highway is just the first uh, film that, that we're going to offer, but we want much more than that. I actually said at the very beginning that I'm not here just to make a movie, but to start a movement. And that's a movement for movies that are more senior-friendly, films that have characters that older people can resonate with and uh, that kind of thing, and 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 hopefully we're going to see that happening more and more. And it's one of the reasons why we're trying to mobilize uh, all the boomers to signing this petition, so that when we go to Hollywood with a million names, then we'll be able to say, "Look, this is a million people 
and there's 10 million behind them who if you make films like this they'll go see them and that's something that Hollywood really cannot you know neglect and ignore I know uh, have you been in touch with the gate community because uh, they're sending similar messages out to Hollywood the gate community no I don't know the gate community who is that no, they're uh, uh, John Roth. Um, and we can send you the connection for you. Yeah. Oh, I know who that is. But their films are more spiritually based, aren't they? Right. They just want you know that type of film to go out. So Hollywood should be listening for what we our needs are. Let me you know. So I was asked, well. The thing um, is, is that they're not. I mean, they're they're, they're very consciously not listening. And this is what I think the issue with. Of course they should. And it makes perfect sense when you consider that 40% of the U.S. population alone is, is over 50. And to neglect tens of millions of people and just to say we don't think they go see movies is silly to me. And yet that is exactly what they're doing. I've had conversation after conversation with movie executives who say that they don't, seniors don't watch movies. Well, it's kind of a, a self-fulfilling prophecy to say seniors don't watch movies and then don't make any movies that they're going to watch. But what I always say is, like the line from another great film, build it and they will come. I think in this case, film it and they will come. And we've seen that with films like The Exotic Marigold Hotel and The Quartet and several others, that when movies do come out that resonate with this audience and they have good stories and great actors... They will go support them. The problem is, is they're just too few and far between. And the other thing is that when you think about it, in the last few years, the movies that have been made for this generation, none of them have been American films. They've all been English films or there's one great French one now. And, uh, but none of them have been American films until Redwood Highway. So we're hoping that Redwood Highway will pave the way for this genre to be paid closer attention to. And once again, I mean, I hope that everyone listening to this interview will go sign the petition because that's how it's going to happen. It's going to be difficult for the the executives in Hollywood to say, well, seniors don't want to watch movies when we have a million people who've signed a petition saying that they do want to watch movies. So make them for us and we'll go see them. So hopefully everyone who's listening to this now will go to www.seniorcinema.com it only takes about two minutes, and you can sign the petition and fill out a little survey, and then you can let your voice be heard. Well, I imagine producing um, something that's a little bit different for seniors would be hard to convince people to put money towards. I mean, you, you had to wear that hat also, bringing in the money to be able to produce the, sh- the film. Well, Yes and no. Um, I, I have a tendency to break the first rule in filmmaking, which is you never spend your own money. <laughs> to, to be honest with you, getting money for any movie today is almost impossible. Uh, I, I can't tell you how many people I know with very good projects that they're shopping around trying to get money for, but it's very, very difficult because um, film investing in film is perhaps one of the worst investments you can make. And it, it's very difficult to, to make money uh, making a movie. But I really believe in this, so I put all of my own money into it. In fact, I've risked almost everything. Uh, so th- what that does for me is it puts my back against the wall, which means I have to make it work. And even though this is a relatively small budget compared to a Hollywood film, in fact, it's ultra, ultra low compared to Hollywood, uh, still... It's a lot of money, but what we've discovered is that you can do a lot with a little if you know what you're doing and if your heart's in the right place. For example, you know, we have two really major stars in Redwood Highway, from Shirley Knight, who's been nominated for two Academy Awards and won three Emmys, uh, to Tom Skerritt, who's one of our most accomplished actors. And the reason why they took very little money to come and be part of this film was number one they really liked the script and they believed in what we're doing they they like this idea of promoting films for an older generation so you can make a movie on a limited budget 
and then you just need to do something really creative to get it out there and also very focused. So that's why we are focusing really strong on this older audience. Uh, number one, because it is so underserved. And I think they're going to be excited about this film. I think it's going to be something that they really relate to. James, on the Redwood Highway, what stimulated this um, to, you know, for you to come forth with this movie? What was there something... How did this come about, and can you tell us a little bit how you got involved? Sure. In- well, there are a couple of things. Uh, the first time I, I really stood up and noticed that there was such a lack of entertainment for this generation was about two, two and a half years ago, I went and watched uh, The Exotic Marigold Hotel. And I was in a movie theater, and I looked around, and it was almost packed, and I was the youngest person there. And I had just turned 50, so... I'm not, you know, a young guy, but almost everybody there was older. And that's when it it hit me that this is a generation that is longing for better entertainment. So that's where the first idea came that there was a a big gap that needed to be filled. Um, And then when, when we started discussing making a movie, originally we were going to make a film based on a book that I wrote called The Barn Dance, which is a book that I wrote a couple of years ago that at some point really needs to be a film because it would make a great movie. But then um, we realized that with our very limited budget, we really wasn't, we weren't going to be able to do justice with that story because it's a very magical story. But what we decided, um, I came up with the idea um, for Redwood Highway and myself and Gary Lundgren, who is my co-screenwriter and also the director of the film, uh, we, we just kind of went with it and where it's where the story began for me uh, my grandmother uh whose name is marie i i based the, the main character on her uh we had to put uh, my gram into a nursing home a few years ago not because we wanted to but because there really wasn't a choice and so gram was in the nursing home and several times she tried to escape uh but was not able to <laughs> and I started thinking about that, and I thought, what would happen if she did escape? And she had one final chance to have a great adventure. What would she do? What what sort of an adventure would she have? And that's where I began the idea for Redwood Highway, because the story in Redwood Highway is based on Shirley Knight's character, whose name is, is Marie, who has something from her past that she has to heal. And she's... Um, her granddaughter is being married on the coast, and so she decides that she's going to attend the wedding, but that she will do so in her own way. And she walks 80 miles along the Redwood Highway to finally get to the ocean. And along the way, she has this great adventure where she's finally able to heal her heart. And so I started with that simple idea, what would my own grandmother do if she escaped? And a lot of the character, at least in personality, was also based on my mother, uh, who was about the same age as, as the character. And unfortunately, um, I was not able to show this film to either of them because my grandmother passed away in December, right when we were getting pretty close to having a first cut. And then my own mother passed away a month later. And so it was very sad for me not to be able to show the two women who inspired the story, but at the same time, it felt like I had honored them with this movie. Uh, so that's that's where the whole idea for the for the story came from. Wow, that um, you know it, it's pretty interesting um, because I, I've had a, even a lady. I worked in a church, and there was a lady who did escape. <laughs> well, my grandmother mm-hmm. did. Yeah, and came to our church, and um, and we had fun before we took her back, and <laughs> we found out finally <laughs> where she was. Because you know, one of the issues that I think that we, remember. yeah, one of the issues that I think that we have today is that um, many of us have a very old idea of of senior community. We, as soon as we hear senior community, we think nursing home, and I'm sure that you know that that is one type of senior community. But there are many types. For example, today. Uh, many of the communities are extremely active in their their communities in the best sense of the word. Uh, many of them are 55 plus, so these are people who still have careers and active lives and relationships. 
And yet, in the way I was raised, you think of nursing homes where the people, you know, have no choice but to live there. And and I think as the boomers themselves are are getting older, uh, that whole idea is evolving. Uh, in the story, Redwood Highway, um, Marie lives in one of these very modern, very active communities, and there's a line in the movie that I wrote uh, where her son says, I wish I could live here, because that was our experience when we were there shooting this scene. Is It's a beautiful place, and I wish that there was a place like this for people who were a little bit younger, because uh, it would be a great place to live. So. I think that our ideas and our attitudes around the senior generation are evolving, especially as the baby boomers get a little bit older. We're seeing that uh, that you know you can live an active life in community with people who are like you and not feel like you've given up your freedom and not feel like you you have to drastically change your life. It was interesting uh, yesterday. Uh my husband and I just—we were watching an old movie. Well, it's not too old. It, uh, I think it was made in 2004. The Notebook. Mm-hmm. That's another wonderful movie. Beautiful film, it? yeah. Oh yeah, I yeah. love The Notebook. So, I mean, yeah, that's a that's a beautiful film. I and I read the book as well. I really enjoyed it. Anyway, that's you know that that just you know made your heart warm, and that's the type of movies we like. Well, you're right, and you know that's a great example of what I'm calling senior cinema. And yet, you'll also notice that it's a story that anyone would enjoy, not just seniors. And this is an important piece here that that we're not trying to make movies that only older people are going to enjoy, but films that simply have characters that they can relate to. If you think of one of my all-time favorite films, Cocoon, Cocoon is obviously a great senior movie, but who doesn't love that film? It's just a very well-made film, and and it's magical, and it has all of those elements that we that we like. But unfortunately, today most movies are made for fifteen-year-old boys. This is how Hollywood has evolved. That they they think that the only audience out there is under twenty-five, and so most of the movies are these enormous blockbuster films that are focused on a much younger generation. That people our age. I mean, I saw maybe the first Iron Man, and after that I lost interest because there's no real story. There's nothing really compelling there that that pulls at my heart or my soul. And that's why, you know, films like The Notebook, as you mentioned, or hopefully Redwood Highway, these are films that that, that people are going to leave and they're going to want to talk about them. that's, That's what I find in the films that I feel are great, I go to the theater and I walk out with whoever I'm with and we want to talk about it. A film that doesn't really have an impact is when you walk out and say, okay, it was an hour and a half or two hours and maybe it was a good film, maybe it wasn't. But I want to talk about a film and that's what we're hoping to create is that that there is something that pulls at us and pulls something out of us that makes us want to talk about it. And, you know, the other thing, speaking of of theaters, one of the reasons why it really surprises me that the the American film industry is not interested in the older audience is because this is the group of people that are more inclined to go to the theaters. Younger people today are much more computer savvy. They watch a lot of films on their iPads and their computers and streaming and at home. Whereas the older generation, who is not as accustomed to that, will simply get in their car and drive to the movie theater. And so you, it, you, you would think that this is something that that they would realize, and that's why I think this petition is so important, because we, we maybe we just need to coax them into realizing it. And what I really hope is that everyone listening to this uh, who has felt this in the past will take this opportunity to do something about it, not just talk about it, but this is a very simple way that you can let your voice be heard. So hopefully everyone will go sign the petition. So the, your oh, film, no. when is your film coming out? Well, actually, Redwood Highway will not be released until April of 2014 because um, we're, we're just doing – it's very hard to get a small independent film out right now, so we're doing a lot of really creative things. For example, we're going to be showing the film in about 6,000 senior communities 
at no cost right before it comes out in theaters. So um, all sorts of things that we're, we're doing to make sure that this happens. And uh, it's going to take us a little bit of time, but when it does actually come out, we're very excited. So is there anything that anybody, that, any of our listeners could do to help you with this? Or Absolutely. Uh, go sign that petition. <laughs> I mean, that is the most important thing. If people go to www.seniorcinema.com, as you mentioned, they can go watch the trailer for Redwood Highway right now and get an idea or start getting excited about that. But um, the most important thing is to join the movement. As I said, this was about creating a movement for me, not just a movie. And this is how you join the movement. Because after you sign up for the petition, we'll continue to let you know what's going on in this movement. We'll help you stay involved. We'll have all sorts of opportunities for people. But it starts with just getting online, going and signing that petition so we can meet that million mark and do something to really change Hollywood. Well, not only that, but when you have a movie like this, and I, I've seen some of your movies, James, you've made, they're they're really very special. And what I, you know, when you are able, when you pull back from the movies that you've made, you really have new ideas to bring forth out into your daily life. And I, you know, just the thought process, even if it's just that that way, but it's really conversation, a real communication to to work back and forth with people in your life. And that's what makes the film so special, like what mm-hmm. you produce, because it really gives you some substance to mm-hmm. to walk forward forward in your daily life, you know? Well, thank you. That That certainly is the intention. You know, we were talking before about um, spiritual films, and certainly I think some of the films that I've made would definitely be would qualify as that. With with Redwood Highway, we tried to go a slightly different track, and it wasn't about making a quote-unquote spiritual film, but what I would call an inspirational film. Um, I think the problem is that when you put the word spiritual in it, you lose a lot of people. There are a lot of people out there who are going to think, oh, I'm not interested in that. It's just going to be some kind of religious message. And a lot of them are. Even the less religious but more spiritual ones, they, they, they hit you a bit across the head with it rather than having a subtle message that people can get. With an inspirational film, you can be more subtle. And in, in Redwood Highway, for example, uh, the character of Marie, uh, she represents all of those people who have doubts about spirituality. And she's not one of these uh, New Age sort of people. She's the exact opposite. But but the people that she meets along the way help help her to open her heart and help her to heal her life. And to me, those are the two most spiritual things you can do. So right. I think I'm, I'm past making what we would call spiritual films. And to me, it certainly is about being spiritual, but inspiring people in subtle ways so they can make decisions on their own. Mm-hmm. Well... We wanted also to talk about um, what you're about to do too, the um, your peace concert, mm-hmm. and um, having people join you from their own homes. I know that, that the last time you did something like this, some uh, extraordinary things happened. Yes, uh, this is something that. I, I sort of built my reputation on back in the early days, traveling to war zones and doing the peace concert and inviting people to focus in prayer and meditation on a world situation while we were there. And we have had extraordinary results. Beginning the first time, well, not the first time I went to a war zone, that would be back in 1995 when I went to Bosnia and Croatia, and I wrote my first book, Emissary of Light, based on that adventure. But the first time that we invited people to stop whatever they were doing at a given time and to focus their prayers of peace was when I was invited by Saddam Hussein to Iraq back in 1998. And while I was there, there didn't seem to be any possibility of a peace accord being signed and avoiding another war. But millions of people participated and stopped what they were doing and sent their prayers. And and it was extraordinary. And uh, we, we could feel the result. We could feel the energy when we were there. And and once you know, as, as happened so many times, three days later, everything shifted and a peace accord was signed 
against all expectations. And there's story after story like this. And you could say that it's a coincidence, but when you see it happening over and over again, you start to really think there's something there. And on this particular occasion, I haven't actually been on a journey like this for about seven and a half years for personal reasons, but I felt like this is something I had to do. And so I have a small group of people who are coming with me, and we're going to be traveling to Israel. And on the 15th of August, we'll be going to the border of Syria, where we'll focus a worldwide prayer vigil there. And then on the 18th, we'll be going to Egypt. Uh, obviously, Syria and Egypt are two countries, especially in that region, that are experiencing extreme violence and great uncertainty. And so I felt that if we could use this opportunity to bring focus, a prayerful focus, uh, to help ease the tension, this is the greatest thing we can do. And, you know, the other thing I really want to mention, and I'm sure you can understand, I'm not really sure where this movement is going. I, I remember back in the 80s when I first started getting involved in what we called at that time the New Age movement. Uh, it was a very exciting time. People were really opening up and, and, and getting involved in exciting things and, and opening themselves spiritually. But as everything, you know, there are cycles. And I think in recent years... All that momentum that sort of peaked around the late 90s, uh, maybe the beginning of, the, of this uh, millennia, it, it has all really gone down. Um, and I think the reason is is because so much focus is now on slick marketing. So much focus is on selling books, courses, what, whatever, for big money often. I mean, sometimes really ridiculous amounts of money. Uh, that I think that this this whole this whole movement that was really focused on promoting goodness has now become all about attracting goods or it's all about me getting what i think i want or me getting what i don't think i have and if i just read this book or watch that movie then i'll get it and and i think that that ego driven mentality has done great harm to the momentum that was created. And so one of the things that I'm excited about with a vigil like this is it helps to bring us back to why many of us got involved in the esoteric movement in the first place. Because it really is about service. It really is about getting involved and doing something that's important for humanity, not just for me. And we, we need to get past the cult of me, you know, and, and move back to the we because that's the only way that we're, we're going to achieve our, our highest and truest goals. So the vigils, as I said, will be on the, uh, the 15th and the 18th of August. And what we're trying to do is to, to, to get together 100,000 people. We're calling it the group of 100,000. Uh, people who can, can add their energy to this movement and, and be part of this prayer and be part of the solution. And if, if anyone wants to do that, all they need to do is to go to jamestwyman.com, www.jamestwyman.com, and they can sign up for it. They, they get a free online course, which helps them to understand what we're calling quantum prayer, which is what we'll be doing for the vigil. And we just really hope that we can get to that 100,000 mark because – you know, scientifically, it's been proven that there is a certain threshold of energy that's needed to to, be, to initiate a, a change, and that movement, you know, for that region would be a hundred thousand. So we're really hoping that everybody will join together and be part of that. Well, it makes people realize that as an individual, you can help, and what you do does matter as an individual. Sometimes, absolutely. Yeah, and sometimes it's as simple as as adding your energy or your prayers to a situation like this. It doesn't have to be a lot, but if if enough of us come together and activate this, I truly believe we're going to see major results. James, when you go to places like Syria and Egypt, do people there also join with you on on these particular events? Usually, yes. I mean, it, area. Yeah, it, it, it of course always depends upon the situation, but 
I remember the first time I, I went to Iraq, and once again, this is when Saddam Hussein was still in power, and we um, there were three of us that went, and we, we had an amazing group of people, Iraqis, who, you know, at that time were considered to be the enemy, who joined us, and we, we did a concert in the National Theater, and they were very excited to know that people all around the world were focusing their energy and, and their prayers, and... Uh, so whenever possible, we, we do like to get the, the local people involved. Did you um, get any feedback from our government when you were there in Iraq? Actually, um, in that particular situation, I did. Uh, <laughs> because at that time, of course, there was an embargo uh, against Iraq, and Americans weren't allowed to travel there. And so when I announced that I was going... I was in London at the time, so the U.S. government couldn't stop me, but I did receive a call from the State Department uh, saying that I could be arrested when I returned for breaking the embargo, uh, or the, the travel ban, rather. And I thought, fantastic. <laughs> I couldn't... I couldn't expect or ever ask for better publicity than to be arrested for trying to promote peace. And I remember coming off the airplane when I returned home, looking around for the agents who had arrested me, and unfortunately none of them were there. So it was an empty threat. But, um, you know, I who knows? I think maybe they, they realized that, that the reason we were there was something higher, something more important. Or they realized that that would give you publicity and they didn't want to do that. <laughs> yeah, you're probably right. <laughs> so I would imagine, especially in Egypt, that there will be quite a few local people joining you. Well, I'm hoping so. Like I said, we're going to get there and we're going to we're going to see what what the energy is like and what happens. And but um, I, I know certainly in Jerusalem that's going to happen. Uh, just because we have a good, strong network of spiritual peacemakers there, but hopefully that'll that'll be true for both Syria and for Egypt. Will you be actually able to go into Syria, or is it just going to be on the border? Actually, we will not be going in, but we are doing something really interesting. Um, I mean, we we do need to be mindful of the dangers, so going into Syria would be very dangerous. But what we're going to be doing is there is a, a town that is right on the border of Israel and Egypt. And before the Seven-Day War, um, this town was in Syria. And then they changed the border, so now half the town is in Egypt, or Syria, the other half is in Israel. And on the Israeli side, there is a a hill called Shouting Hill, which uh, is where um, the Syrians on the the Israeli side, they go to the top of that hill, and they shout back and forth to their family on the other side. And so that's where we're going. We're going to shout it from the mountaintop, literally. (laughs) And we're going to do the prayer vigil from that spot. We'll do the little concert there from that spot. And uh, knowing that the energy, even though we're not physically in Syria in that moment, that the energy is going to be projected into that country. And it was part of Syria at one point. Absolutely, yeah. Yes. Well, I mean, it's still a Syrian village for sure, and right. and I'm told that it's you know pretty evenly divided between people who are in favor of the rebels and people who are in favor of Assad. So that's that should be an interesting experience. And I'm sure that all they all, no matter what side they're on, they all want peace. So let's hope. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for your sake, huh? <laughs> Okay, give us an idea what it's like when when you're on that hill, James, and you're giving the concert. Do you have instruments that you have with you, or you're are just you my using guitar? Your voice for instruments. Your guitar. Just okay. my guitar and singing. What we'll be doing is I, I will share several songs and prayers of peace, which is really how this all started for me. I, I'm sure I'll sing the Muslim prayer. I'll probably sing the Muslim, the Christian, and the Jewish peace prayers, and then. At the given time, when we know that everyone is focusing, there is a modality of prayer called quantum prayer, which is very ancient, that we're asking everyone to learn, and that's part of the process, is to learn that. And then at that time, we will activate that energy of quantum prayer, which is a very holistic, um, ecstatic type of prayer, 
that everyone around the world, will, about 100,000 people will be activating at that time. So then we'll do that from the mountaintop. And knowing that there are thousands and thousands of people around the world who are focusing their energy on us so that we can sort of channel that energy into Syria. So is now, that, if people that, go, to, if people go to your website, uh, which is jamestwyman.com, and go and sign up to be part of this, will you be giving them this quantum peace prayer so that they can say it along with you? Absolutely. Yeah, we'll guide them to the website uh, where the recordings are. We've done two short recordings. That that's all they really need to do is to listen to those, and then they'll they'll get um, a good idea of of how quantum prayer works. We'll start preparing them for that. They just need to practice it on their own. And then as soon as we have the time of the actual vigil, we'll spread that to the network, and then everybody will stop what they're doing at that time. And will you be uh, on video so that people can see you, actually? No. No, that would be almost impossible But we, because we just, you know, there's, there'll be no Wi-Fi on top of this hill. So... <laughs> <laughs> At least I'm, I don't think there will be. So, uh, Sometimes there's some but, magic thing out there that you can connect to. I don't know. Well, one of the things that I've done in the past is, in a situation like that, is I bring a satellite phone because with a right. satellite phone you can be anywhere. Um, so we might do something like that, but in terms of video, I don't think that would be possible. So they can actually like, go in on your website through your satellite mm-hmm. phone and be there with exactly. you. Exactly. Yes. That'd be great. Wow. Yeah. And I saw on your website, too, that you're offering a a free workshop called Feminine Power. Well, um, I'm not personally offering that. That that is um, my my dear friend Arielle Ford. These are people that she's working with, and I'm just helping them to promote that. Uh, Clearly, I'm not really qualified to teach a course on feminine power <laughs> but i but i know strong feminine forces who are and we sent out an email about that a couple of days ago so um but yeah i mean this, for me the main thing right now is just to promote this vigil and i just hope everyone will who's listening to this not only i do i hope you'll go sign the petition for senior cinema but 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 if you want to be part of of a movement of of prayer and meditation that is changing the world, please join the group of 100,000 because this is really, I think, this is a a powerful statement and something that we can really hope for, that people will remember why we got involved on this spiritual path in the first place, that it's not just about me getting what I want. It's me being the change that I want to see in the world, as Gandhi said. And it just really frustrates me, to be honest with you, when I when I see so much focus on, on the other part of it. And unfortunately, I really do believe that it's why the movement itself is suffering. Well, this is what can bring us back. So if, if you feel the same, just go to jamestwyman.com and please sign up for the vigil so that we can get everyone out there focusing their meditation and their prayers for peace. Well, I think the movement's coming back because I see so many people um, putting out free workshops out on the web, you know, their websites, and mm-hmm. I think it's coming back. So, you know, I hope so. With your peace movement, that I give it a turbojet. jet. I hope Surge you're right. <laughs> <laughs> James, you know what? I just, yeah, people really are are even. In our complex where we are, they're they're really awake. I mean, I, I'm just going, wow, people are really alert and they're paying attention. There is so much at this point that they're and being released about what's really happening in the world. I, people are, it's helping them to wake up. It's just marvelous. And, um, you know, having a positive way to direct energy is is just a double whammy, you know, and uh, we're so thankful that you're around doing this. Uh, it's, you know, and and the the wonderful music and, and um, messages that you put out are very powerful. They're very positive and really uplifting for people to be able to have in their in their within them, you know. 
Well, you're speaking of music, Cass. I listened to James's songs on his web website, and I just love the one that's "I Could Inhale You." I just love that. <laughs> oh my goodness! If, if that's the one that got you, wow! <laughs> I know, isn't that strange? <laughs> Let me tell you a little bit about that because that's. Not a joke, but it's just kind of a funny thing um, because you could also download. I, there are CDs you can order, of course, and but there's even a free download of the the CD that has the peace prayers. It's called Twelve Prayers. But what you're talking about, um, well, probably twenty year, at least twenty years ago now, I, I did a recording session in Boston where I recorded two songs. One of them. It's called I Could Inhale You, which is like this very sexy Prince-type song. And I know. So, I, I, that's what shocked me. It's very danceable, and it's, it's, just very, it's completely different than anything I've done for many years now. But, and I thought it was lost. I didn't think that I had a copy of it anywhere. And a couple of years ago, I was going through my garage, and I found an old cassette tape that had both of those songs on The other one is called... I am not my body, and I was able to. I was really nervous because you know how tape is; it's very fragile, and I didn't want to put it on into just an ordinary tape player. So I took it into a recording studio and got them to uh, to transfer it to digital, and we were successful. So I thought, well, I should just for fun put this out on my website so people can see what I was doing 20 years ago. So (laughs) it's funny that you would bring that up. Well, actually, I have that one and uh, that I could play, and then um, also I have Choose. Uh, what is the one? Choose Rough. Oh, <laughs> it's actually not. It's <laughs> funny. I need to change my website. Um, it, it, it's not actually called Choose Rough. <laughs> that sounds pretty oh, okay. bad. It is, the song is actually called I Would Choose. And the reason why it says choose rough there <laughs> is, I'm sorry, that just makes me laugh, uh, is because it was a rough cut of, of, oh. your, of the mix. It, it wasn't a final mastered mix. So when I sent it to my web guy, I think the file was called choose-rough, meaning rough cut. And so he put it up on the website to say choose rough. <laughs> And yeah, that's a beautiful song. I it's a love song and I think it's one of my best. Uh so between Choose Rough and uh <laughs> and I Could Inhale You, people are gonna get a very strange idea of my music. <laughs> oh, I I thought it was wonderful. I was so I could play them right now if you want me to. <laughs> oh sure. Go I mean whatever you think. It's your audience, whatever you think they're going to enjoy. <laughs> okay, I just I'll just just I'll do a little tiny bit. Okay. One, two, three. I just can't hide from this feeling When I look into your eyes And every time I hear your voice I realize that there was no choice But to love you When I hear your voice Well, that's a little bit, just a tidbit of it, but it's beautiful Mm. I'm glad you enjoyed it. So there's the other side of you people don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, if people want to listen to the whole thing, they can just go to jamestwyman.com and but I, I just I also encourage you to click on the music tab so you can download the 12 prayer CD. Oh yeah. It's my Thank gift. For... Thank you so much for your gift. Mhm. And, uh, and uh you you've recorded with other artists. I mean behind their work, haven't you? Um, not really, not much. 
I mean, most well, I, I think the, the the most recent CD that which has been by far the most successful CD I've ever done. Um, I guess you could say I did with Wayne Dyer. Um, right. But what the story of that is, um, when we did, I, I published a book that was very successful called The Moses Code. And there was also the movie, and there was also a meditation CD that went with that. And the CD did not really sell all that well, but one of the people who did really enjoy that was Wayne. And Wayne, it turned out, would listen to that CD and meditate with that twice a day. And he had all his kids doing the same. And whenever he would give a talk, he would tell everyone about it, and everyone would go in the back and buy it. And... Finally, Wayne, about a year ago, had a book coming out called Wishes Fulfilled, and they wanted to do a meditation CD with it, but they couldn't think of what to do. And Reed Tracy, who owns, who's the uh, the president of Hay House, he uh, he had the idea. Well, let's talk to Jimmy and see how he feels about re-releasing that meditation, and you can Wayne can add something to it, and we could do it together. And of course. When they asked me how I felt about putting out a CD with Wayne Dyer, it didn't take me long to decide to say yes. And I think that CD has probably sold a couple hundred thousand copies by now. And it's been very exciting to work with Wayne, who I just have such deep respect for. And just am so honored uh, to to have that. And so, yeah, of all the CDs that I've recorded and all the music I've done, that without question has been the most successful. I know I went to see Wayne in uh, San Jose, and I actually bought that CD when I was there because he actually did <laughs> talk about it. <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah, it's a good thing to have someone like him talking about you. <laughs> so out of all your experiences, um, like when you went to Spain and the Camino Walk, um, what is your most surprised what? Taz would say, what surprised you the most of all your experiences? Mm, I would say the first thing that comes to mind is having traveled to so many countries where great conflicts were raging, often being countries that the average Westerner or American would think, number one, why would you go there? And this, these people are, many would believe the people themselves to be the enemy, uh, completely different from us, uh, different um, sensibilities, different politics, whatever it may be, that they're different. And in almost every situation, whether it be Bosnia or Iraq or Northern Ireland or wherever, uh, what I have always found is that the people that I encounter are just beautiful, wonderful people like you and I. And I remember, for example, the first time I went to Baghdad, I was talking about that trip earlier, um, the first thing I'll tell you, a funny thing, was that we, the, the three of us who went, we had to, um, we flew into Amman, Jordan, and we had to take a 12-hour taxi drive through the desert to get to Baghdad. And when we first arrived at the hotel where we were staying, we got out, and this is the first time we've touched foot on Iraqi soil, and we, we walked to the, into the hotel door, and on the ground as you walk in is a beautiful mosaic, and... The, there's a, a face in, uh, in the center of the mosaic that I looked and realized it was a, a picture of George Bush Sr. And I looked at that, and it said at the very bottom, in the mosaic itself, it says in English, Bush is a criminal. <laughs> so that was literally our welcome mat uh, into Baghdad. But then as we began to interact with the people, as I said before, I realized that they were no different than any of us. These were beautiful people who wanted peace, who wanted safety for themselves and for their children, and they didn't want to be you know, in the middle of this terrible situation. I remember after I did the concert, they, they held a party uh, for me and for the other two women, and it was one of the most fun parties I've ever been to, and all we did was sit around singing Simon and Garfunkel songs. <laughs> and this was in Baghdad. So if if that can happen in Baghdad, I think it teaches us a very important lesson, which is, you know, we are human beings, we are we are souls on this journey, and if we can focus on the ways in which we are the same rather than on the ways in which we are different, that's how peace is going to really come to the planet. Well, I think if you go 
with love in your heart and um, pure energy and um, that you're protected no matter where you're at. Mm-hmm. At least I would like to think that. And I think that the, the angel of protection went with you because that's how you went. You went with complete compassion, complete love. And I think other people could see that. Mm-mm. Yes. <laughs> well, I, I have always felt that, that there was a divine protection. And I, I mentioned earlier that um, I haven't gone on a journey like this for about seven and a half years. And that's because seven and a half years ago, my former wife, who was my best friend and my mom, my daughter's mom, and um, she was murdered in Chicago seven and a half years ago. Mm-hmm. And my daughter asked me to not travel to war zones anymore because clearly she had just lost her mom. And I had always felt this sense of protection whenever I would go to these places. And, of course, I also just really knew that even if something did happen to me, she would always be there for Angela. But then that changed, and so I, I've honored Angela's request these years. But um, Angela... And I both talked about it, and she both she, we both felt that this was too important, that the peace troubadour needed to, to come back. And so that's why I'm going on this journey now to Syria and to Egypt. And and if, if people haven't already gone to jamestwyman.com, I really hope that they will, because once again, this is scientific. We, we need to get to that, that critical mass number in order to have the effect that we really believe we can have. So hopefully everyone will participate. We'll hit that 100,000 Mark, and this will be a profound experience for all of us. Well, I know we're sending it out to our mailing list, and so I hope that other people who have mailing lists do the same. Exactly. I mean, that's how these things spread. It has to become viral, so I'm keeping my fingers crossed and hoping. Okay. We're ready for viral. (laughs) Yeah, I'm going to say that. In this case, viral is good. (laughs) And we have the social media that can help too, like Facebook and Twitter, and mm-hmm. I mean, they all can help. Yeah. So if everybody puts that out on their Facebook and Twitter and That's share, right. I mean, oh yes, you know, not long ago there was a gentleman who was actually on the internet, and he had put together this little picture: "We love you," <laughs> you know, and uh, we don't. We we love you no matter who you are, and uh, it became viral. Do you guys remember that? Just not long ago, and not only that, but the, uh, the all the friends from different countries were putting up. We don't want war. We love you, <laughs> you know. And this is yeah. exactly what's happening. Yeah, James, it's just um, we thank you for being out there and bringing this kind of energy you've brought all these years. It's just magnificent, and mm. um, you know what? It's it's one of those beautiful gifts that a human being like you can bring to people, and um, you know, it's it's truly magical. It's truly magical well, to those you. around you, and um, you know, we we thank you very much for doing all of this marvelous work. Well, thank you, um, you for helping to promote this to your audience. And all I can say is that the Peace Troubadour is back. (laughs) Well, you certainly are living your true purpose in life. I mean, some people, I mean, are still searching for their purpose, but you found it and grabbed hold of it. And and it's doing remarkable things that are happening just from your music, just from your books. Do you pinch yourself and say, how did this all come about? <laughs> Sometimes I slap myself. I don't know if I pinch myself. <laughs> Especially when you decided to make a film, right? <laughs> yeah, that, I've been slapping film. myself ever since. Like, what the heck were you thinking? <laughs> <laughs> okay, now we want people to go to jamestwyman.com, head in, and we what did you say you need 100,000 people? To, well, um, to work yes, with to hit that critical prayer. mass point. Yeah, we we're calling this the group of one hundred thousand. And the other thing is, is that these are people who we can activate for many situations. Whenever there is a situation in the world that requires our focus, we will reactivate this group. So this is going to be kind of our core group oh. of people who are, who are going to be part of this movement. So if you want to be part of something 
truly essential for this for this world. I hope people will do that and uh, join the group of 100,000. And as I said before, that's the critical mass number that we have to reach in order to really have the effect energetically that we want to have. And this is going to be happening in August. Did yep, August, August 15th and August 18th. So this is the time to sign up now so they can get all the instruction and begin uh, practicing quantum prayer. And, of course, also make sure that you go to uh, SeniorCinema.com and sign that petition. Yes, by all so means. We want that at, film out. Are you going to be in t- two different places uh, when you do it on the 15th and then you're going to be doing it in a different place on the 18th? Exactly. Yes, the, 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 the 15th will be for Syria. And that's when we'll be there on the border in Syria. And then we'll be traveling to Egypt on the 18th. So this is truly, truly an important thing for people to get involved with. Mm -hmm. So thank you, James, so much for being with us today and uh, um, doing all this work. Yes. Uh, you know, we we sometimes we get busy and we're going, oh, my gosh, thank goodness, somebody like James is out there and people that are really, you know, out there moving. When you talked about reading a book, and I'm thinking, when does he have time to read somebody else's book? <laughs> <laughs> oh, you'd be surprised. I, I'm just really good at making it seem like I'm busy. <laughs> oh, maybe on planes. <laughs> <laughs> Well, thank you so well, much for having me on the program. Oh, you're quite welcome, and we enjoyed having you. Have a great day. Thank you, and sign up for the vigil, please. We will. Now. We will pass, we'll pass the word We're on. on it. Thanks. Oh, thank you <laughs> so much for that. Thank uh-huh. you. Thank you for having me on the program. Anytime. We welcome okay. you back. Absolutely. Thank you. Anytime. Thank you. Do you want to hear that other song? Yeah, let's hear the other song. Okay, wait a minute.